You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome back, Devoted listeners. I'm so excited you guys are with us today because I have asked a partner in ministry. I wanted to say partner in crime, but that kind of makes it sound bad what we do. We don't do anything bad, but I've asked a partner in ministry to join me today. Becca Frost is the one that she does all things within women's ministry all the time. And so I have been super blessed over the years to work with her. And when I started praying about what this episode was going to look like, and I wanted to talk about Proverbs 31, and I then I thought of Becca. And so I asked her to join me here on the podcast today. And one of the things I love about bringing Becca in, and one of the things I love about the Devoted Podcast is, guys, you're not listening to somebody who is just like some crazy expert and with this ridiculously long resume. Nope, that's not what I am. I'm just like you guys. And then when I think of Becca, she's just like all of us. And so, and what I love about that is Proverbs 31 was written for all of us. And I think that uh, there's things that we can glean from this passage, but often this becomes a crazy, overwhelming passage. So, Becca, I should probably let you introduce yourself just a smidge. All right. Well, I am married to an amazing man named David, and he works alongside us at Athe, and he's very musically talented. He has skills that I cannot even begin to dream of having. So true. We also have an amazing nine-year-old little girl named Christy, who has just completely changed our lives and has stretched me in ways that only the Lord knew I needed to be stretched. So, but other than that, I mean, we have been at Athe for a long time now. We love just getting to pour our lives into what the Lord is doing at Athe and excited for another season. And my boys are excited today because you guys know I have three boys and they're excited that Christy is joining them today here because they're like, oh, we don't we don't ever get to see the whole girl side of things. So they're pretty excited to have Christy hang out with us. So so we want to jump into Proverbs 31. So man, what do we think of when we first think of Proverbs 31? You may either go, oh, that's such a great passage, or you might be going, oh, please, let's not talk about Proverbs 31. It seems like this, you know, crazy list of all the things that we're supposed to be and the things we're supposed to do, and it's just daunting. Well, I, Becca and I want to change your perspective on that a little bit, because I actually think this is just so good. Um, So, Becca, why don't you start with, give us some context on what is uh, Proverbs 31, like just some basic stuff. So I think one thing to remember is that it's not a checklist for your day. Mm -hmm. I love checklists. But when you start reading through Proverbs 31 and who this gal is, you have to remember she's not getting this all done in one day. She's not, you know, making sure that she has everything crossed off and ready to go. But looking at it from how it's written, that in and of itself, it's an acrostic, you know, and I love the poems that are throughout scripture and how that applies to our lives. And we can really just see how the Lord manifests through all this different stuff, but also knowing that it's written, it's coming from a mom writing to her son and saying, here is a good thing to look towards. And so that's those first, you know, verses that we see. But then after that, we're seeing this beautiful example of a woman and a goal, you know, of something that we can be working towards, but not necessarily 
we're not going to figure it out the first year of our walk with the Lord. And we're not even going to figure it out in the first 10 years. You know, it's that molding and shaping of how we're just trying to honor the Lord with our lives. And I I think something we talked about this in one of the previous episodes where we were talking about how Proverbs are not uh, meant to be promises, but they are principles. And I think you can see that even in this. You're going to see lots of things as we read through these verses that are principles or guidelines for things that we are aspiring to as women of God. But it's not necessarily exactly that how-to on it either. One thing I thought was interesting as I looked into this a little bit from, it's always just curious to me how the Jewish tradition looks at these passages. And I think we can get a totally different look when we look at through that culture. This is just more on the fun fact side and a little bit more on that, but it, it's still kind of fun to see. But they, in the Jewish tradition, they actually sing this prior to their Sabbath meal every week on Friday. And they don't say necessarily, they don't really know when that tradition started, but it's something that is sung right before the Sabbath meal every week. And I think that's interesting because... For real, guys, we often look at Proverbs 31 as a little bit of, it's just, like I said, that unattainable, like this is just not doable. They don't have that perspective of it at all. It's meant to be a celebration of the matriarch of the home. It's meant to celebrate the characteristics of the women in the household. It's not a condemnation. It is a celebration. And I think that's kind of an interesting perspective on that. So I think to do this, what we're going to do is just going to read. We're going to start at verse 10, and we're going to pause a little bit along the way. But, and we're not going to camp out on every verse. At least Beck and I are going to try to not do that, because if we did, guys, this would be a really long podcast. So, but we're going to start in verse 10 of this chapter. Okay, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV, but, you know, you guys can read from whichever version you want. And if you're driving along in your car and folding laundry, you can just listen along. But in verse 10, it starts out and it says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Okay, I was gonna just even stop after verse 10, but one of the things I wanna point out about that first word, an excellent wife, depending on the version that you read, it uh, that word is virtuous or excellent. Uh, same word that you see in Ruth 3.11 when it's, describing, when it's describing her. And I, well, that's a great study right there if you wanna look at what the virtuous woman would look like to do a study of Ruth and Naomi even in that, in that story as well. But what I find interesting about virtuous and excellent, that word itself is meant to be a word of valor, a word of strength. It even implies efficiency, which that just speaks to me. I love my efficiency there. But interesting that it's implying even physical strength. On the physical strength thing, I think that's such a juxtaposition with sometimes the criticism we get from critics that would say, oh, you Christians and people that just are sticking with the the Bible, you are putting this like women in this demeaning and like in every way weaker role. And interesting to me, that's not what is being said here. First verse, second word out of the gate here in this entire section that is devoted to describing a, a woman here, it says a woman of valor, virtuous and excellent. And it is a word of strength. So I think that is such a neat word to us. I love that it's talking about, like it's pointing out her character with that. And it's running that virtuous thing throughout her character. You know, she's not just virtuous in one area. It's something that's seen throughout each part of her life. 
And I mean, as yeah. we continue to read through this, we'll see it more and more. But just that it's she's very, I keep saying continuous, but, you know, it's apparent. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. throughout her life. And I love that encouragement to just make sure it's touching on each area of our own life mm-hmm. that we would be virtuous. Love that. Keep going in verse 12. It says she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. We're going to talk about those willing hands in just a second. And uh, through 14, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. I always love that picture. So I might camp out on that a second. But the willing hands piece, like Becca was saying, there's like this continuous thread you're going to see throughout this. You see lots of hard work mm-hmm. in this. And you don't read this chapter, this section, and go, there's not a smidge of laziness in the woman that's being described here. And what word is that to us? You know, that's how we, we do have to look at these principles and go, does that challenge me? How are we working hard with what we're doing and because that's all described in this woman of strength that we that we're reflecting on here but i was thinking about the verse 14 when it talks about the merchant ships and nope it's she's not literally a sailor (laughs) but i think of you know back then that was their their supply chain right that's like their steady how they're getting their food it's it even um and i hope i'm not assuming more into the text because of my crazy organizational self here but It has a little organization in there, maybe even a bit. But because the ships, they would like bring in food so they'd have it way in advance even. This is something that I don't know if this is probably a, a, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's a way that I can care for my family. But it always just tickles my husband to no end when I have something in the cabinet before he is out of it. You know, and you know how we do that as as women, we can kind of keep this running inventory and we're just kind of that's our thing. We just sort of are observant. We notice mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. hey, this is kind of running low. And so when I see something like that, it goes right on the Amazon subscribe and save or something, which that is a brilliant little tool, because then that way you can just set that thing every three months and it looks like your merchant ships are rocking and rolling and you really didn't even have to think about it. But there's planning and there's organization in this stuff for us as just kind of running our homes. And that may look different for you in different seasons. Sometimes I remember when we first got married, I was like the crazy coupon lady, right? Like we were making it, I would go to like six different stores just to get the stuff that was like, well, this is on coupon here and this is on coupon here. So yeah, I'm going to drive to six different places, get the best deal. It was all all part of our merchant ships, guys. We were we're lining it up here in the McReynolds household. But that changes over time. Right now, guys, I am not in the season where I'm going to six different stores. No. The merchant ships today were Instacart. And Instacart came to my house with free delivery. It was fantastic. But figuring out what that looks like and not, again, as a daunting task list of you better make sure that you're doing all of these things. But Flip that perspective. This is describing us as women of strength and ways in which we serve. And I think this this idea of caring for our families in this way, in whatever season that looks like for you, whether you're in coupon mode or Instacart's coming to your door or Amazon, but doing the things that the Lord's called us to do in that season. I love the so this scripture we covered. And I say we, David and I used to help with the 18 to 24 year olds, and we did that for almost 12 years. And right around 10, 11 years ago, 
I went through this scripture with those gals. And we went verse by verse. We took a couple verses every other week, just really poured into it. And I really, I love making things tangible and something like, so a physical thing that you, you know, as you study scripture, then you can go back to that. So total cheese ball stuff, you know, like when we studied like joy, I gave them all bottles of joy soap, you know? And so, and there's still gals that are like, every time I see joy. But with this, we really kind of tried to make it, we try to take different ladies of Athey Creek at that point and see how they fit these different scriptures. And with this one, with the, you know, bringing her food from afar, just encouraging gals to be ready to see what that looks like in their life. And at that time, so many of them had roommates or they were living at home with their parents and different stuff. For them to step in and say, how can I make this something that I can help with in my living situation? You know, and that day we went to Lee Farms because why not? They have amazing pies and, you know, all these different things. And even those things, you know, going afar just to kind of give your family or whatever household you're in those little extra blessings, you know, and like, well, yes, that's probably not the most nutritional benefit to them, but still just thinking of those around you. You know, this, as we see here, this gal is just trying to serve her family and serve those around her and using food and however that looks, but just, you know, having that encouragement to take it a little bit step farther, but also remembering not to burden yourself. Like, are we saying you have to cook this perfectly organic, all (laughs) grown in your backyard meal for your family? Exactly. No, that's definitely not what's being called here. But it's just that she's not, she's not just thinking of herself. She's Mm -hmm. thinking of others Mm -hmm. and how she can be serving them. That's so true. There's such a great uh, selfless aspect to that. And it's, I think, applies in any season that you're in. And I think we'll see in other places where we'll kind of tap into the hospitality piece. And I think that can even come through mm-hmm. in that in that verse too. Let's keep going down to on verse 15. It says, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Boy, some of you guys, I probably lost right there when it said she rises while it is yet night. Many of us do not like to get up while it is still night. I find the older I get, the earlier I am getting up these days, guys. It is a crazy thing. But that's not the point, necessarily. I do not think this is just, again, principle, not a make sure you're doing this, make sure you're getting up at 3 a.m. because it's dark outside. That's not the point. I think what the point is, we're seeing again, we're seeing some of the selflessness again, because mm-hmm. it's talking about providing the food for her household, however that's going to look in your stage of life that you're in. But it's again, tapping into that work ethic piece that we hinted at a little bit ago. And we'll see that in verse 18. I'm just going to skip ahead. It says, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Lamp does not go out at night. Well, I skipped one. Well, no, 16, 13 mentions it. Also in verse 27, yeah. it says it again. She does not eat the bread of idleness. So a couple things on that. You just see this work ethic piece. We see that in other places in scripture, you know, in Colossians 3, 3.23, where it says, whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord and not for men. Mm -hmm. Great perspective for us on this too, guys, because yes, we're talking about serving our families and and serving others. Those are good things. But don't forget that what you're doing by doing that Mm -hmm. is you're serving the Lord. We're doing this because it honors the Lord. We're working hard as unto the Lord. It is a sweet bonus that the way that the Lord orchestrated that is by serving him, 
it's other people are going to be blessed by it for sure. But it's a work that is being done to the Lord. I love when we look through the lens of that, knowing that we're doing it for the Lord. No longer is it us just being diligent to our checklist of Mm -hmm. the day. We're being diligent to the Lord and, you know, casting aside that idleness and saying, okay, here's the things that's before me. And there's going to be times that the, you know, the checklist gets thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. But knowing that the Lord is giving you different things and being diligent to those that he's called upon you for that day is you know, it's there's such freedom within that of knowing, okay, I'm just going to honor the Lord in what I'm doing today Mm -hmm. and let that be the thing that's directing me today. Yeah. And, you know, go back to that word diligence a little bit. Beck and I were talking earlier in the day just about what that word even means, because you you see that throughout this passage. It's that diligence. It's whether we're looking at it through a work ethic piece or whatever, but there's a steadiness that is there. But it you work at it. You know, it is not for this. And so that's I love in it was the verse 27 that I read that talks about idleness. And perhaps for us, sometimes that can be a really convicting one, because we've talked lots of times about the time suck of social media where you're sitting there and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling. You thought you were just going to check one thing for two minutes and then it ended up being 30 minutes went by. Gals, that's idleness for us, you know. That stuff is not all all wrong and all bad for us to have disciplined time about that, but it can quickly turn into something that is just us not using our time wisely. So when you read that, well, don't, again, don't let this be a condemning passage, but also remember, we don't read scripture to have it just stroke our egos and make us feel good about everything. We need to look at scripture with going, how, Lord, would you challenge and correct me on the things that I'm doing? So I, I'm i convicted on that if there's times that I'm doing that. That's an okay thing to do because then that's us needing to submit our thing to the Lord and going, Lord, I need to work on this. Okay, so going to verse 16, it says, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. I'm going to also parallel that with uh, verse 24, where it says she makes linen garments and sells them and she delivers sashes to the merchant. You know, this is where we, we see that industry in the Proverbs 31 woman, the business sense. And in some of our thinking, I we are, that challenges us some to go. Well, wait, we're, that isn't what biblical women did. They that was the guy's job, and they did that. This is an interesting picture, guys. I think we need to challenge ourselves, take out our preconceived notions of what we think it looked like, and let's just take the word at its word. We see that she's very busy at home. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like she is checking out and she's doing these things, but she has this intelligence. She has this acuity towards making business decisions. I mean, it's saying this is flat out her decision. For me, I think this one is a little tougher sometimes because it's it's not that I don't think I'm intelligent, I, I guess to do different things. But particularly when it comes to business type stuff, I like, I'm like, mm, that's just not my jam. I'm going to just let Chris take take the reins on that. And I'm not saying that's all bad, but do not sell short what the Lord's created us to be at the same time too. I don't think it's an either or in this standpoint. Sometimes I think we create this image of there is the working woman out here Mm -hmm. and then there's the stay-at-home mom 
which I always love. Our pastor always says, please show me a stay-at-home mom that is not a working mom. <laughs> you know, I yes. mean, yes. You, if you are at home, that is not like you're at home taking vacation. That is one hard job. But the business side of it could take all kinds of things and just ingenuity and creativity mm-hmm. and different things that in different seasons of your life that the Lord may call you to. And I think it's a really cool enabling passage, really, because he's saying that we have the ability to do this kind of stuff. So it makes me think of in the New Testament, the example of Lydia. Yeah. You know, like here she is, this woman, and she's known for her craft, right? Yep. Like she's the known, like they know that her purple linen is the one to be able to buy. And we see there in the New Testament, you know, like she's not scorned because she's working. Like mm-hmm. they're actually like it's mm-hmm. a really cool thing. And so I think it's it's just encouraging knowing that the Lord gave us skills, you know, mm-hmm. and he wants us to be able to use them for him. And once again, it's that being diligent of what he's given us and Um, what's before us. And there's going to be seasons that we can do more, you know, maybe outside of the work or outside of the home. And then there's going to be times that the Lord is calling us to be really diligent with the skills that he's given us within our homes. And, you know, there's just so many different seasons go so many different ways. And just knowing like the Lord is directing each of those and that all we need to do is walk in it. Whatever he's calling us to that day, we can have full confidence knowing that he's with us. Yeah. I think that we make this a lot harder on ourselves than probably it needs to be. And I think partly because we really do allow what we think other people are going to say or think or whatever, or even maybe even our own expectations of what we thought things would be. But truly, the the heart of it is seeking the Lord, you seeking the Lord. If you're married, seeking the Lord with your husband and seeing what that looks like. Always, again, if you're married, submitting to the leadership of what your husband is saying, because that is if you if you don't do that, you're stepping outside of that covering and that does not end well for us. But I I hope that you can hear as we're talking about this. Becca and I are smiling over here because these are not verses that are giving us this burden. These are really enabling and encouraging verses. Yes, will they, when it comes to idleness or something like that, there's probably going to be a word somewhere that's probably going to cut all of us just a little bit and make us think about it. But that's good. We're probably not looking at scripture correctly through because we are sinful, fleshly people. And if we read this stuff and it never hits us with something that we need to do a little course correction on, well, we're probably missing something. So let that not be a surprise. But again, this is actually really encouraging. Verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Boy, all the places we could go with this one and the dress code. I don't even know. Maybe I should probably just let Becca talk about this one. Because when I read this, I do see the modesty piece. This is an issue today. And perhaps maybe I am the person to speak to it with having three boys. This is something that having I don't have to fight the battles that you mamas have to fight out there with what your what your daughters are wearing and all that kind of stuff. I am more on the other end of those things of going, oh, wait, don't wear that. That's not helping things out. But I love this proverb that describes how she's dressed with How do the things that we wear outwardly, and it is talking about clothing, so that makes me think of like this is an outward thing that we are showing to the world, and how does that outward appearance, how does that embody strength? I'm not sure. I think that could have a different implication for all kinds of people, Mm -hmm. but 
I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Becca? Oh, goodness. It's one of those things that I think a lot of times our world tells us strength means a woman can do whatever she wants with her body. Yeah. And that's not what this is talking no. about. You know, like this is talking about I think there's a whole other like section of strength knowing that she knows what her body is. She knows that the Lord's created it and honoring the Lord with that. And with our daughter, we I mean, ever since she was, you know, Right around that age of two, we started putting in place of being a modest princess. Because let's be honest, yeah. my she does love, you know, frilly things are very popular. And so even now at nine, you know, there's things that she realizes, hmm, that's not being very modest princess right there, you know. And just the little things of just trying to hold ourselves a little bit higher just so that we aren't a stumbling block to others, but not only... Obviously, yes, we are thinking about, you know, trying to put those things in place before she's a teenager, you know, and mm-hmm. just that respect of the, that her body is the Lord's, you know, and also remembering that for myself, you know, and for other women, but also not <laughs> when we see what the world is dressing like, not going, oh, I can't believe them. And then making this judgment call, you know, and flipping it and just because the thing is, you can't clean a fish before it's caught. No. Right. And each of us are going to be thinking about modesty at different points in our lives, you know, and that's going to mold and change. And just because maybe that got brought to your attention at some point when maybe you were a young girl, or maybe it's something that gets brought to you as a mom. And then all of a sudden you're going, huh, that's probably not the best choice in clothing, you know, Mm -hmm. and just realizing we're all completely, the Lord brings different things to different people at different times and just encouraging one another. You're right. Encouraging each other in in this together, because it is interesting that it's talking about strength. Like, how is how we present ourselves? How are we showing strength? And you're going to have to combat some messages that the world is going to tell us on what that message is. And this isn't the only time this is going to come up in this Proverbs. I think my favorite one is in verse 25 when we get there. But it's an issue. And I love Becca's kind of practical tip on, man, even starting this conversation pretty young. And as a mom of high school kids, I can say you will be grateful that you started that conversation younger. And I know sometimes this is they'll say, well, we got to choose the battle we want to fight. I totally get that. I understand. But I also don't ever want us as moms to use that as kind of an excuse to not do something that the Lord would instruct us to do. I think it's going to be a pretty hard case to make biblically to dress immodestly as a woman. That's going to be a tough one to prove. So you could say, well, I don't know which battles to fight. I think if it's a battle that we see with modesty and presenting ourselves with strength and dignity as a representation of an image bearer of the Lord, I would encourage you to not take that excuse of I don't want to fight that battle. Pray about that one. And I don't want to miss that while we are speaking a practical piece on this, verse 17, 25, and even 30, the the vanity of beauty. I think all of that ties into this. You know, I want to still remind us to stay true to the poetic genre that we're in here. And this is poetic. And I think while we can find these practical applications, this isn't necessarily always meaning throwing on your dignity pants and your strength sweatshirt. So it's a layered word here that we should meditate on. And how can we outwardly, just as clothing is an outward expression, how can we outwardly express dignity and strength? 
And then let's keep going on verse 18. It says she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. We already talked about this a little bit on just the working hard and the business industry side of her. She puts her hands to the distaff and to her and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Boy, I love this one in verse 20 of how it lends itself to the hospitality that I think we're encouraged to show to everyone, right? Not just our family, but who else can we show hospitality to? I love that with what we're seeing here is that she's ministering wherever she's at, Mm -hmm. whether she has children or whether she has a husband or whether she's in the workplace or whether she's seeing the poor, she's ministering to them, you know, and realizing that we have that ability from the Lord, you know, like, and I think there's so many times that me personally, I'm very introverted. So if I could just stay in my own little bubble and not ever have to reach out, that would be prime. However, my heart would be so burdened because I know the Lord would just be squeezing it saying, it's time, it's time, you know? And it's in those times that we take that choice to step out and minister and say, okay, yep, I'm going to meet this person, whether that's with an encouraging word or, you know, maybe it's here with the poor, maybe that's serving meals or, I mean, there's so many different ways that that can look. You know, I think so many times we get just stuck in the mind process of like, oh, that means I need to hand a dollar bill to someone that's asking for Mm -hmm. help. But maybe it's poor in spirit that we're coming alongside of, you know, I don't know. My mind just goes in so many different directions, just realizing being willing to have the Holy Spirit prompt us Mm -hmm. in wanting to minister. And how encouraging is that, that it isn't just one way in which you are to be hospitable, that you your one way is that you're supposed to host meals for 20 people and, you know, cook it all, clean it all, do it all that. That's not what it is. But praying about, Lord, how would you use hospitality hospitality in my home? You also you're doing a couple things. You're serving the people as a mom. You are you're modeling that for your kids on what that should look like. I'm really big on this. I don't think I'm the greatest host, to be quite honest. I've talked about that before, too, of I just think other people's skill set in this. I'm very inspired by them. But one of the things that I am really big on is making sure people always feel really welcome here. I want, you know, my friend, my kids' friends, they're mostly high school age, and they've all looked at me a little funny when I've told them, guys, don't ring my doorbell when you come here. You just walk right in my door. And I do that because I want them to feel like this is their home, too. And no, I'm not telling all of you guys that that's what you need to do to show hospitality. That's kind of the point in this is that it looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And know people that their efforts in hospitality and the way they host something or a dinner or maybe serving it, uh, you know, serving even the homeless, all the different ways that hospitality, that's all this is talking about. It's not a one size fits all. So pray about what hospitality should look like for you. And the cool thing about that is it's going to sit well with you. Mm-hmm. Not that it won't be stretching. Like Becca said, sometimes us introverts are asked to break out of our bubbles a little bit. But the Lord will give you joy and it'll bless your heart in doing it too. Okay, and so continuing on there. So then we go into verse 21. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine, linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Okay, I got to stop there at verse 23 about her husband is known in the gates because 
This is a message for if you are married. It's funny that the husbands come in here, right, in this story. That we're gonna we're gonna talk about this, but this is an interesting thing, and that if you don't know it, <laughs> you're gonna find out in your married life that you have a pretty strong effect on your husband, on your home. You've got all kinds of influence that can be used for good, and let's be real honest, can be used for evil, and so looking at what does that look like in your tone, your attitude? Because here in this verse, it's saying her husband is known at the gates. What's that 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 was meaning? Like then that meant that they were thought well of, that they were even able, were able to serve in the way that they were supposed to be serving. You know, they had a position at the gate. But it's interesting to me that this woman, she has an effect on that. So that can mean, gals, that if you're kind of nagging on your husband for doing something outside, you know, maybe a job pursuit that you just you think is dumb and you don't think that we should be doing this, man, those words will cut like a knife and will not be encouraging your husband in maybe a way that the Lord has directed him. And I would even say, even if you're thinking, yeah, but I think he's doing something that is that the Lord is not into, then I would encourage you to be praying for your husband. But watch your words and your tone. And I can say this, guys, because I've done this wrong a zillion times. And sometimes not meaning to, you know, being like not realizing that effect, perhaps, especially when we were really early married. But learning through the years that, man, that real, my words there, you know, that attitude, that really cut. And that was not helpful. Words can be such a huge temperature gauge, you know, like depending on how you say something, when you say it, you know, all those different things, it can either be a really encouraging thing and warming, or it can be a really cooling off and cut deep and that different part. But also realizing like with the choice of our words, I mean, instantly I think of Sarah and Abraham, you know, here's Sarah. I mean, she could have said a lot of things to (laughs) Abraham when he said, I want you to pretend to be my sister, you know? But she said, okay, to it. And the Lord covered her. And I think that's the thing that the Lord has shown me so many times, not only in my own marriage, but in other, you know, relationships and other marriages around me, seeing of those times that a wife has just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to submit to what my husband's doing, even though I may not completely agree with how he's venturing this certain way and how the Lord covers her and directs it. And whether it was a huge leap of faith and it was the wrong thing and he corrects that, you know, or if maybe it was a huge leap of faith and it was the right thing and then they're blessed beyond measure, you know? Yeah. You can't miss the piece of the, even that story of Sarah and Abram that we're talking about that, I mean, that was clearly Abram making a really bad decision, but Sarah is so honored for her decision that in the New Testament, she is honored as a righteous woman and she's given as an example and all of these things. And you think, wow, but guys, put yourself in her shoes. I mean, that was not that was not easy to do. So it's setting a really interesting thing on how our attitudes and responses need to be. And it is challenging for us gals because when we disagree with something or we're like, we just think something's a bad call, we're usually pretty quick to let our feelings be known. And I think this is one of those, it's a different perspective on that because it's saying by doing this well, her husband is known at the gates and he sits among the elders. He's able to walk in the in the calling that the Lord has put on him. 
But there's this direct link here that he's able to do that because of what you are doing at home. And I think that's a really cool thing. Verse 24 continues there with, uh, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. We talked about that one also with the business one. And then let's go to verses 25 and 26 here. So we, we talked about pieces of this. Let's just read those two verses. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So we've talked a lot about the clothing piece and the strength and dignity. Love that. I love the next line, though, guys. It says she laughs at things to come. If that doesn't convict you in 2020, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one here. But it's been pretty tough to look at 2020 and laugh at the things to come because everything has felt so uncertain. And yet, look, at that's what it's telling us right here. Well, she's probably not laughing because she thinks that, you know, the election's going awesome or, you know, the riots in our cities are a fantastic plan or, you know, the schools and all the stuff that's going on with that. That isn't what's going to make us laugh. But why would she laugh at what's to come? I love the confidence that it is exuding here, you know, because her confidence isn't in those exterior factors. Her confidence is in the Lord. And then this next part here with the wisdom, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. What sweet encouragement in those words, right? And, but also at the same time, it's not lost on me right now that here Amy and I are talking and our mouths are open and words (laughs) are coming out. And right here, it's telling us, you know, that this P31 lady, she's, when she opens her mouth, it's full of wisdom, but not just wisdom, but kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many times that we may have wisdom in an area, but deliverance of that wisdom can be not so so good. Yeah, it can get really ugly, but knowing and instantly thinking about ladies in my life that have kindness on their tongue. You know, there's so many and I'm like, oh, if I could just have words like that, you know, if I could just be able to speak wisdom that way and knowing that for her to be able to have wisdom in her heart and her mind and in her mouth, she's got to be in the word, you know, because that's the only place real wisdom is coming from. And so she has to be studying it on her own, you know, because the thing is, is we can learn from others. But if we're just constantly regurgitating, you know, what's been given to us, it's going to keep slowly losing what it is. But as the Lord's word is living and powerful, and that's what's coming out of our mouth, that's going to come out with wisdom and it's going to come out with kindness. I like how James gives us a picture of, he does two things. He tells us what wisdom is and he tells us what wisdom is not. And in James 3.16, it says, "Where for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That is not our picture of wisdom. However, when I look at that passage, jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, and every vile practice, particularly when it comes to the selfish ambition, guys, I see so much of modern day feminism wrapped up in James 3.16 because there is this piece of thinking we deserve something different or our rights and all of these things that kind of when you boil them all down, have a lot of selfish ambition to them. And this, that's not the wisdom we're talking that. But then he contrasts it beautifully with what wisdom really is. And in James 3.17, just the very next verse, he says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, 
open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So if you're sitting there going, well, wisdom sounds like a very biblical word, and I want to be wise, keep in mind the way the world's going to define wisdom is probably going to look differently. But looking at this checklist of what is wisdom, it's pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Oh, my goodness. How much are we missing open to reason right now? Um, And the mercy, the kindness side, you know, back to what Proverbs said right there is, you know, that she has the teaching of kindness on her tongue. I love how that James gives us that picture of what this wisdom should look like. Okay, so let's finish up this chapter and we'll just do a little bit on a couple more passages. But in verse 27, it says, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. We love that conclusion, right? I don't know. I could read that. I've read that hundreds of times, and I love it every time. But that verse 30, very famous passage, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. One of the things that pops out to me when I read that one is, guys, this is a woman who fears the Lord. This is not for the gal. It's not just to the one who has the perfect house and it's not to the one that's just the married woman with the perfectly behaved children. This is the woman who fears the Lord. Whatever stage of life you are in, this is the aim. This is the you being at that place of fearing the Lord. And I love that this is how Proverbs wraps up. It's talking about how it's the woman who fears the Lord. Because when you go all the way back to the first chapter of Proverbs 1, that's where it talks about that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what it says in Proverbs 1.7. And then also in Proverbs 2.5, it says, you will understand the fear of the Lord. And I just love that, you know, a lot of those times we see those as only pertaining to the maybe the men, you know, of the, the fear of the Lord and that different. But right here, I mean, Proverbs wraps up saying it's the woman you know, too. And so realizing that we can go back to those passages and realize that the Lord's talking to us too, you know, and what's the thing that we need most knowledge, (laughs) you know, like we need the real knowledge and real wisdom of the Lord. And that, that comes from the fear of the Lord. And it's so many times I think we get hung up on the word fear because the world causes us to fear, right? We have so many different things that make us fearful or makes us worry. But the fear of the Lord, it's a healthy fear. And I love that freedom of like, you know, so many examples are given of, you know, when you have a, when you're looking at fire, right? Like now, am I scared of the fire that's in my fireplace? No, because it's there, it's contained. But do I also know that it could burn my house down? Yes. You know, like, and especially that we've seen our state and the surrounding states dealing with these huge wildfires, like fire on a candle is one thing, but fire when it's let go is another. And it's that healthy fear of knowing what fire can do. And how much more do we, can we have a fear of the Lord, you know, because he's huge and he's powerful. And yet he's right here with us, ready to meet with us in his word to give us true knowledge and wisdom and to be able to walk with him daily with him. And that's where we spend so much time on the podcast and all the different things on Ethy Women that we talk about is being in the word because it reveals who God is. And in 
understanding who he is helps us to see, oh, yes, there is that healthy fear, that reverence of who God is and all that he encompasses. Because it is the big stuff. It's in the major events that we see, The even the disasters that we see around, you know, you can see, wow, God and all that he created is so huge. And yet at the same time, he's also that one that whispers into your heart on the way you should go. You know, those that's in other places in Proverbs where it says he will tell you whether you should go to the right or to the left. But knowing God, knowing his character gives us that fuller understanding of how to have that healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. And Becca's right. I love that it is, it's like the bookend here. You know, it is, it's ending on what the, what a woman of valor should look like, the virtuous woman. And it's that she fears the Lord, fearing the Lord. That is what is going to bring her praise at the city gates. And yep, back in Proverbs 1, that's where it all begins too. So much that we talk about that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So before we wrap up, I do want to look at just a fuller context of this whole passage. Again, the chapter breaks, all those types of things are not necessarily how these all came down. I'm not an expert on how the Proverbs were sectioned off here. But I want to look at the first verses of chapter 31. Because when, whenever we talk about Proverbs 31, we always talk about the woman who fears the Lord, the excellent woman. Those are verses 10 through 31. Perfect. But this time as I was reading through this, guys, it just kind of hit me that those first nine verses are words that the mother is speaking to her son and telling her a couple cautions. And one of them, she's cautioning him against women that are not going to be following this verses 10 through 31 model. They are going to be the women that lead astray and all these things. But then it also starts talking about the strong drink. It says over and over, it says, be warning her son about drinking wine, the strong drink, they that drink. It just keeps mentioning that over and over. And I know that this is talking about words to her son, and she's cautioning on that. But I have to tell you, as I read this, and I thought, my goodness, I hear caution in this to women today, women in the church today. You've all heard of the the culture of the the mommy wine culture a little bit. And, you know, even the things that they say of where it's just been, oh, it's been such a hard day. I can't wait till the end of the day and and going towards that. And it's be kind of come a joke, right? It's become something we make light of. And But at what point did that become something where you're going to that thing as opposed to seeking the Lord? We clearly we know. And if we're if you're real honest with yourself, even if you kind of have a a propensity to going that direction, you're going to if you're real honest with yourself, you're going to know that real fulfillment, real satisfaction and any kind of help to the kind of day you've had is not going to be found in that glass. As tempting as that may seem. But I just as I read this this time and I thought, boy, there's just this caution here about wine. And then we start talking about the godly woman. And I just put that out there to just have you pray about that on your own and what that looks like. I'm not trying to lay down any kind of crazy legalistic thing of you should never drink wine and different things like that. There's other passages in Scripture that that's not what it's saying. Now, it does say to not be drunk on wine. 
but it's not saying to never drink. But for me, I'm looking at it through the lens of women and this culture that we've seen that is really gravitating towards a drink to satisfy this overwhelming spirit. We've seen so much of this even grow in COVID. (laughs) I cannot tell you. I mean, you guys know there's so many memes and different things about people are just exhausted and spent and looking to something that's just not going to satisfy. And while it might be kind of funny and it might be like culturally, you know, feeling normal, is that what the word is telling us? So, gals, as we have talked about what this Proverbs 31 woman looks like, pray about what this looks like. Have a different perspective when you open Proverbs 31 and please see it as the celebration that it is. Allow it to challenge you where it should challenge you. But then also look at, at it for the guidance and, the, and the, the, the direction that it wants to give you, because it's truly a joyous life to live this. And the Lord has made us women that can do all these things. There'll be different seasons of life for you, but the Lord is in every one of them. And this is a passage that is a celebration for us. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.